Today is the Right Reverend Robert Forsyth, formerly the Anglican Bishop of South Sydney and now a senior fellow at the Center for Independent Studies. Rob and I will be discussing, what else? <laughs> the true meaning of Christmas. Rob Forsyth, how are you? Very well. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and a Merry I, Christmas I might, to you. I might just, although I look like him, I might just relieve myself of this festive hat. <laughs> Great to be with you. Uh, Rob, look, I, I was intrigued by your op-ed last year, and I know it's a, a, it may be a bit odd to talk about news from a year ago, but you know, Christmas comes around every year. Uh, you told us last year that dissenters in England and the United States, or what would become the United States, actually outlawed the celebration of Christmas in the 17th century. What chance of oh, that yeah. going, what chance of oh, that yeah. happening this year in Australia? Uh, not much chance in Australia. This, <laughs> we, we, we have misled our viewers by talking about the true meaning of Christmas because, Salvatore, Christmas has always been a very complicated, a complex festival with many parts and a very uh, checkered history, in fact. Today, it's, it's universally popular in most of the West and elsewhere. But there was a time, you're correct, um, in 1646, the English Parliament concluded, quote, be it ordained by the Lords and Commons in Parliament assembled that the feast of the Nativity of Christ and other festivals commonly called Holy Days are no longer to be observed within the Kingdom of England. That was during the uh, uh, the Commonwealth period in, or the Republican period in Great Britain when Christians were troubled by the fact that the celebration of Christmas wasn't explicitly authorised in the Bible and they right. thought it had, had other other things which compromised it, so they outlawed it. And the same in your good country, uh, where you've come from, in uh, in the US, the, Mass the, Ma the Massachusetts, Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1559 prohibited the celebration of Christmas, either by forbearing of labor, feasting any other way, with a five shilling fine. <laughs> Oliver Cromwell certainly didn't have a, a sense of seasonal cheer, I suppose. Well, and, and in Scot and in and in Scotland, which was was very strong by the uh, by the Puritan Christianity, um, the, Gas the Glasgow Kirk in 1583 excommunicated those who kept Christmas. And as I read here, a number of Scottish town ministers went, were known to go door to door on Christmas Day to ensure that families were not feasting. <laughs> so Ebenezer Scrooge may have had Scottish well, roots. Well, um, perhaps we should tell the story from the beginning because we've jumped in the very middle here. Um, uh, in the early days, right. uh, there were great the, in the Roman Empire where, where the Christian faith grew up. Right. Um, Christians were at first very wary of celebrating birthdays. Hmm. Birthdays were a pagan phenomenon, and, and in the New Testament, the most famous birthday is the one in which King Herod. Uh, King Herod Antipas orders the death of John the Baptist, um, and and for, and uh, Christians focused upon their claim that God had raised Jesus from the dead. This was the great central claim, which revolutionised the Christian faith. The birth of Jesus was secondary. It was only after many years, particularly as the Christian faith became more popular and eventually a legal religion, and the emperor was now nominally a Christian at least, that it was thought Christmas, the birth of the birth of Jesus, should in some way be celebrated. So it wasn't about 300 or 400 that it began increasingly to be celebrated. The problem was mm -hmm. the non-Christians, the pagans, had holiday feasts already around that time, New right. Year's. And so already Christmas, 25th of December was the date that the Christians thought. I don't think that's based on any solid evidence. We don't have any no knowledge. But Christmas from the very beginning, the religious 
called the Christian View, and the other festivals already started together competing and challenging, at times in opposition, at times the Christians, um, what's the word, um, appropriated uh-huh. uh, the pagan things. And so by the, by the Middle Ages, Christmas had become the great feast, uh, the great U- European feast with all kinds of goings on. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, that's not uh, unprecedented. Our, our own uh, English word Easter derives from the pagan festival for Iastra, not from the Pascal right. feast, right? That's so right. Uh, this, this syncretism between Christian and pagan festivals is uh, much deeper than just Christmas. But yes. did people celebrate, did early Christians not celebrate the coming of Jesus in any way? That, that seems hard to believe. It's, it's, it's not, not his birthday. They celebrated uh, as his baptism, his um, oh, okay. and things like that. But the, the, the real focus, as I say, was on his resurrection. Um, and even when the, when the Christians did celebrate, I've got a lovely quote here from a very great Christian thinker, Gregory Nazarene, Archbishop of Constantinople. This is a year 380, and he's warning about overdoing it with the pagan side of Christmas. Quote, mm. let, us not put, let us not put wreaths on our front doors or assemble trips of dances or decorate the feasts uh, and so forth and so on. Let us not assess the bouquets of wine, concoction of chefs, great cost of perfume, etc., etc. Leave these things to the Greeks and to Greek pomp festivals. Greek was a code word to mean the, uh, right. what we would now call pagans. It's, uh, but when, when was that written, roughly? 380, 380. But it does imply that people were doing it. Yes, of course. In other words, even when, <laughs> even when, even when Christians began to celebrate Christmas, there was an ambivalent relationship to the festivals. Right. And by the, by the Middle Ages, they had appropriated it. And then when the Reformation came, the whole battle came up again. And the, the quotes we started with from uh, Scotland, England and uh, Massachusetts, uh, in, amongst many of those in the Reform, they rejected what they thought were accretions, including these, all these holy days, which meant for a long time, Christmas went out the door. Now, we Americans are, of course, right now celebrating the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims' landing mm-hmm. at Plymouth Rock, uh, which was uh, December, well, November 21st was when they first hit Cape Cod. December 21st is when they established their colony at Plymouth. And the Puritans, of course, were, well, as the name implies, Puritans. They were dissenters from the established church in England. And you mentioned that uh, you know, Oliver Cromwell in Parliament outlawed Christmas, the Puritans in Massachusetts outlawed Christmas. Wasn't there a backlash against that among uh, Anglicans among members of the established church. Uh, yes and no. The when Queen Elizabeth the first mm-hmm. um, came back after she she celebrated Christmas, and and put this way, I'll, I'll jump when when King Charles the second I should say after the the uh, Republic and the, the Commonwealth returned there was a return but it turns out that Christmas had kind of took a long time to recover. It was, mm-hmm. it, it, it um, long after the, it was outlawed and then restored, it was regarded as a feast for the, uh, for the countryside, for the lower classes. It wasn't really till the 19th century mm. with things like the poem, the, the Night Before Christmas, mm. which brought Santa Claus, who had been a myth, uh, each figure into the center, and, and Dickens' famous A Christmas Carol that really uh, brought Christmas to something that families could celebrate. The royal family, uh, Victoria and Albert, um, popularised Christmas. So Christmas as we know it 
is really a 19th century revival. I mean, I read somewhere that that in that in um, in the United States, where was it? In, in as, as late as 1789, the U.S. Congress worked throughout the day of Christmas. Oh, <laughs> there was no holiday. You may say that's shocking on two grounds. They were working, and two, it was on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so the Christmas we know really is a, a result of the revival in the in the Victorian era when a great interest, the Romantic movement meant a great interest in things of the past. And that's why you, I notice that on many Christmas cards today, or I guess cards are going, many of the scenes are not first century. They're not contemporary. They're set in a kind of early Victorian ideal world. Right. You look at you know, often see stagecoaches and, and so forth, and so the, the, the mythological Christmas is kind of it still carries with it the memory so of there, uh, of its revival. There are some Christian denominations today who still uh, don't celebrate Christmas as a festive holiday. They they may have hold a uh, a religious ceremony, but certainly they discourage gift giving and all of the other worldly trimmings of. Christmas, in a way, that's just a traditional approach, not a, uh, it perhaps shouldn't be viewed as some kind of strange withdrawal from society, but instead as a maintenance of tradition. Well, yes, um, I, I don't think that's necessary to withdraw. Um, the, I don't get into too much theological detail, but um, one, one of the guiding points from the Puritan movement, the more extreme Protestant movement was, we can do nothing by way of celebrations, which are not explicitly authorized in in in, in the Bible, okay. whereas Anglicans and others like myself say, no, you can you can you can you can adapt and do things as long as they're not not forbidden, and that leads to very different attitudes to uh, festivals and other occasions. Uh, of course, right. So, well, Christmas today is is in my view about three or four three or four different celebrations in Australia, all happening around the same time, all interactive. It's not just one event. Right. So when when in the gospel, I think it's the gospel of Luke, the angels arrive and say, you know, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Uh, and, and there's that announcement that many sects and many Christians throughout history have not viewed that as a precedent that they should also have this season of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. I wouldn't say that. I think they just they uh, they want to celebrate. It's the keeping of special days that was the problem for the extreme Christians, not not yeah. not the, what they're celebrating. It's the notion of having holy days that are not explicitly mandated. That's that's the problem, really. Right. Uh, but uh, as I said, so, now that's that's way and truly past a very minority. It's not really an issue, as I know at all, yeah. really, amongst Christians or non-Christians today. Right. So you said there's three everywhere. Christmases, three Christmases today but instead of three. just one. What are what are the three? Well, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, the, the one that starts at first is the. Uh, I, I first noticed the first Christmas when I was in my local Coles, at where I shop, and I think about, was it August? They had uh, already <laughs> things for Christmas. So uh, the most devout, the most devout uh, followers of the of, of the season. There's the commercial Christmas, and I'm not I'm not making fun of it. I'm not being critical. That's perfectly legitimate. Although at times it can be a little overdone. Um, there is the Christian. There is the religious Christmas we're talking about. Those like myself who believe that this is an event of a profound significance for the history of the world, that the creator of the world actually came amongst us in, 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 in hum, as, as a human being, which is, I know it might sound weird to many people, but we actually believe that kind of stuff. Mm. And then there's... You I believe that? I, I, thought, I thought you were Anglican. I am. We, we are, I'm an Anglican who believes <laughs> I'm an Anglican who believes <laughs> That's very rude uh, and not, not entirely unjust, 
but I do believe those. <laughs> but but the, big, the big Christmas, Salvatore, is the one, I call it the community Christmas. Mm. People who are religious or completely a-religious, atheists, believers, but there's something very special now in our culture about this time. And this year you saw it very powerfully because what was everybody worried about the lockdowns? That they'd be open by Christmas, okay. that people could travel at Christmas, that we could be somehow normal at Christmas. So in our culture, this is the one day in which we celebrate, I guess, community, family. Right. Um, if, if, if anybody is seen to not have lunch with somebody else on Christmas Day, that's regarded as a great loss. Um, 364 days, you have lunch by yourself, no one worries. Christmas right. Day, it's, you, now that shows that there's something very powerful in our culture about this day. Um, it overlaps with the Christian, but it's not the same as, and um, that's why almost every Australian, and not just Australian, in your, in your previous, in America, in Europe, even in places like Japan, uh, which are um, not Christian in any sense, will, 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 will somehow make a big deal of this day. Mm. And, uh, let uh, me say, it, it, it's a remarkable event. <laughs> let me say a quick hello to Christopher, Anthony, John, Elizabeth watching today. Thanks for watching. In honor of this season, I am not going to make the ordinary pitch for money uh, on this show. I, I am going to keep it uh, in simple good cheer. Uh, well, well, I see though that my producer is making the pitch for money, so there we go. It's in the it's in the links if you want to click on it. Uh, but please do start getting questions in if you would like to feed questions through to yeah. Rob Forsyth. Uh, I will if you put them in the chat box on YouTube or send them through on Facebook. I will get them to Rob. Uh, Rob, I noticed in the news uh, today that Germany, which is having a much more severe coronavirus outbreak now than it had in the Northern Spring, uh, they have made a special exemption for family travel for Christmas. So they're not allowing interstate travel. They're not allowing meetings except to meet family at Christmas. Uh, does that suggest to you that Germany is an especially religious country, or is this the, uh, you know, the Christmas of good cheer that you're talking about? It's 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 the latter. It's the Christmas of good cheer. Germany, um, many of our our present Christmas um, customs come from Germany. That that green behind your head there. That mm -hmm. and, and I will say that is not a uh, Zoom. Uh, effect that is actual real Christmas cheer. Well, real oh, plastic, old, real plastic old, Christmas cheer, but nonetheless real. How old-fashioned you are! How old-fashioned <laughs> you are! <laughs> but but greenery, the Christmas trees. Um, these is what Prince Albert brought to uh, to England when he when he married. Uh, uh, oh, Victoria. really? We have Prince Albert yeah. to thank. I In passed fact, his the, monument on Macquarie Street yeah, today. He, he was a great. I mean, Christmas cards were invented in 1840. Uh, the Christmas tree. Uh, originally, these trees had complete pagan um, background, the worship of the tree, you could, the tree, and th they've all been um, appropriated into the, into, the, into, the, into the festival. Germany uh, is, st is very strong in this. I, I had the great privilege of being in Germany some years ago at Christmas, um, seeing the, 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 the Christmas markets, um, which are a big feature of Europe. Uh, Christmas is very big in Europe. And the fact that the government decided to let family travel doesn't mean they think that the virus observes the holiday, which would be nice, but they obviously made the decision that the good of family connection is worth the risk of, of um, further virus outbreaks, that, that, that a society needs more than just medicine. It needs community, it needs connection. 
And I guess the government decided we're going to allow this, even though it's risky for family, because that's better for the country than than, than isolation on Christmas Day. I assume, I assume that's the, the thinking behind it. Right. Now, Anthony points out that uh, the politically correct uh, condemn the you know, the saying of Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas and instead want a generic celebration of the holiday season, or you might even say just the season as opposed to any holiday at all. Um, what do you think of that? I mean, is that a, a problem or is that in a it's, sense well, in the spirit of Christmas? It's, well, no one can control Christmas, by the way. No one can, <laughs> so you can that's true. It's, it's got its own life. That tends to come, I think, originally from the States with people afraid of the separation of church and state, and even saying Happy Christmas was thought to be somehow crossing that line. So whereas the Christians complain that it's not Christian enough, so others complain it's still too connected. Happy Holidays is, is in my view, weasel words, absolute weasel words from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have friends who are atheists, I have friends who are Jews, I have friends who are Muslims and others. Almost none of them regard it as some terrible problem to say Happy Christmas, I say Happy Hanukkah. Uh, it's, it's just been courteous, right. and Christmas has lost its. It, it, it's connected, but it's not identified with the feast of the nativity, and therefore you can you can celebrate Christmas. Uh, there used to be, there commonly happens. I don't know what happened this year. A, a, a war on Christmas. That people complain whether whether I'm I'm speaking to you from uh, from the city of Sydney, uh, whether Clover Moors put enough Christmas trees up, or whether there's a bit of a. a, a I find this all rather tiresome uh, band. Mm-hmm banning things it's frankly i i, I think uh, we in the uh, we in the cis are looking for a good liberal society a society of tolerance a society of freedom as far as possible and i think that's a society which is a society of of um respecting other points of view without being worried about it and therefore and if if you're offended by happy christmas that's okay but don't tell me not to say it for the sake of others Let's chill, if I may say so. <laughs> well, speaking of chill, we're, of course, here in the summer in Australia, and it may not be a particularly hot day in Sydney today, but very often Christmas is a beach holiday in Australia. We do have some listeners in the, nor- in the Northern Hemisphere who might be curious to learn uh, you know, how Australia accommodates Christmas to summer. Well, the, uh, there, we've mentioned three Christmases already, the, the commercial, the Christian, and the community. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, in a in, down here in the southern hemisphere. There's a fourth, which is the beginning of the long holidays. Here, here in here in Australia, um, typically uh, January is a, is a is a it must be like what we August September in the in in the northern hemisphere. It's when many businesses are closed for a while. Um, it's more relaxed, and so for us, the Christmas is also the beginning of a long holiday. It can be stinking hot in Christmas, and uh, it's strange. We show our our um, our culture fights our our, um, our environment. You can still see in Sydney, I've not seen it this year, but other years, fake snow on, uh, fake snow <laughs> on, uh, on, on uh, hot windows of, of, uh, of shops. Although we, our favorite food at Christmas for Australians, as well as the, the traditional turkey, and what does that mean? Where'd that come from? <laughs> you know where it came from? England, uh, is seafood. And so Australians eat massive amounts of seafood. We love our prawns and fish. So for Australians, uh, seafood at uh, Christmas, well, we wear our funny little, hat, little paper hats. We sit around the table, but uh, seafood and those things, because it can be very, very hot on a Christmas right. day over here. Even though we still hear I Am Dreaming of a White Christmas being played, um, the Bing Crosby song being played in the supermarkets. And as I say, some of our songs, 
and even our decorations reflect a European Christmas. Right. Christopher, that's, what you get with, that, yeah. that's what you get with a culture like ours, which really is a European culture right. translated into a, into a Southern Pacific context. Christopher points out that uh, communists have historically been uh, quite anti-Christmas. Do you see that more as a communist anti-consumerism or a communist anti-religionism? Oh, anti-religion anti for sure. Um, uh, a number of people tried to abolish Christmas. Uh, the, the Soviets, even the Nazis tried to paganize it, go back to the, to the German mythological gods from Christian. And um, as with most things, uh, Christmas has survived. <laughs> it's, it's, it's come back from the dead, to coin a phrase. Um, Christmas was it was actually outlawed, I believe, in the Soviet Union because it was an effort to stamp out any religion and impose a militant atheism uh, on people. Um, when the Great War, when the Great, not sorry, when the Second World War occurred, you may know that uh, to galvanise people, Stalin cynically loosened the lines and. Um, let the churches have their way again and Christmas return in some form. But uh, your, your call is right. Um, Christmas has got its enemies. In fact, I've got a great quote here. I've, asked, I've got a great quote here that I think you'll really like. It's by that great, the great grump of the, of the early 20th century, George Bernard Shaw, uh -huh. quote, like all intelligent people, I greatly dislike Christmas. <laughs> well, I think the laugh's on him, I'm afraid. I think it is. Anthony uh, has a correction for us. He says, and he politely says, it is said that Prince Albert set up the first Christmas tree in England. I think I think it's Rob Forsyth who implied that. Uh, however, I, I just said it. I just however, said it, right? However, Queen Charlotte, wife of George III, ah. who was German, set up a Christmas tree at Windsor in 1800. Fact check. I am... I'm corrected. <laughs> I, uh, I'm afraid I have given too much to Albert the Good. What that does show, Salvatore, we know that the, the, the uh, British royal family is German, right. uh, with George I and other, and kept their German links quite strong, even their German name until the First World War. Right. And so it, they were a conduit. The royal family was a conduit for German Christmas celebrations into a somewhat jaded uh, uh, England that had kind of gone off it. And uh, so it, it, that 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 and the American poets and and uh, Christmas Carol by Dickens that they all brought Christmas back as I said that we have today now now gay is going to and gay uh, it's nice to see you here today gay is going to bring uh, some uh, some Jesus back into Christmas uh, she's Good asking honor. us Australia surely been blessed this year which is evident when we compare ourselves to the rest of the world uh, Robert where do belief and prayer fit into uh, our coronavirus good fortune? Oh, boy. Um, you use the word good fortune. That's a common phrase we use. Well, I used uh, it, not gay, so I'm paraphrasing. No, no, but no, I'm saying, no, you, no, I'm saying, no I meant you, not, not gay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it wasn't the goddess Fortuna that got us here. <laughs> Although CIS is a secular organisation, I, I, I am, you know, I'm an active Christian, and we, we believe that that Whatever happens, a God, God, God is in charge. Right. In in a broad sense, even even the bad things, you can turn bad to bad to good. And when God enables us to know what He's doing, and occasionally He does that in, in the Scripture, there are stories where He lets us know. We can understand. It's very hard to draw conclusions from Australia doing well versus the United Kingdom doing poorly um, on any direct reading of the of the meaning of that. 
mm-hmm. in terms of prayer. We do pray. I'm out to check how many Bibles we do pray for the finding, particularly of, of, a, of a vaccine. We do pray for God's mercy upon this nation. We do pray for, for our, we are pray for our world. Mm-hmm. Christians do that. They burden, they take the, their cares to God. But I can't read back directly to say, therefore, Australia's okay, but England wasn't because of that. I, I think it's beyond my knowledge. Um, it's not just luck, but it's it's hidden, I say. And I right. think that's probably the, the wisest way to go. It's very dangerous for Christians or others to um, read providence too quickly without, without, without solid ground. Right. When it's been done, it almost always can turn out very badly to say, ah, God's doing that. And you turn out it, it may not be doing that at all in the way we think. You know, politicians. Sorry, it's a long answer, but forgive me. Politicians yeah. routinely offer their prayers, and I think when Scott Morrison does it, we take it as a very genuine gesture. Oh, but yes. when Donald Trump offers his prayers, we may be a little more skeptical. Uh, what do you think of politicians embracing religion broadly, not necessarily just Christianity, but embracing religion in their role as politicians? We'll see many politicians celebrating yeah. Christmas this year, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's, 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 it's a difficult area in a sense. I think, I think with someone like a Scott Morrison and, and, even, and John Howard and um, Kieran Rudd, right. I know, I know, um, whatever you think of them as people. Uh, and uh, the good, good thing about the Christian faith is it's designed for sinners needing forgiveness, not perfect people. And therefore, you could be a Christian and still got a long way to go. So I'm... I'll make that clear. Doesn't mean that they. But I think there, where, where it is their genuine belief, mm-hmm. we we should be we should be pleased that they wish to pray for us. That that's just bringing the whole of themselves to their job. Right. What we don't want them to do is a sense, um, or, or or other hand or an atheist to use their per, their job to kind of give a, a leg up to a uh, a way that might for others feel excluded. Right. So it needs to be done sensitively, and sincerely. But I'm not against it being done if it is done sincerely. We're a liberal liberal democracy. Again, my earlier point, we should be tolerant of Christians, of non-Christians, of others, and and not not feel that we're all going to be the same or get very upset that somehow or other he's imposing his views on it. Not imposing anything, he's just being himself. Now, when they do it insincerely, well, that's that's hypocrisy. And we all want to call that out, whether we believe in God or not. In fact, it's probably worse to use. It's probably a big mistake if you... If God is really there and you're you're misusing of your own political ends, you better watch out. That's my advice to politicians. <laughs> better not cry or better not shout either. Uh, look, Christopher has a question about uh, the link between Christianity and freedom in Western civilization. Uh, he's curious if the decline of Christian belief or Christian practice carries a risk of a reduction of personal autonomy and freedom. This This is a... This is a good question and a difficult question. I, I believe that liberalism grew out of a and it's it's belief in the equal dignity of everyone, the importance of individual flourishing as well as a group flourishing. These things have their their roots in the soil of of Christian culture of Europe. And this is not just my opinion. I think you can read um, the the what's it the evolution of the individual by um, Tom, Tom Tom Holland's new book Dynasties, a classic example that. That we're all Christian in a certain, in a in a story, in a cultural sense, mm-hmm. in the way we think. Even those who rail against the church do it in the name of some of the things the Christian faith taught. The belief, for example, that we should care for the weak, right, rather than they deserve it, which is what the Romans thought. These are all deeply Christian 
values and virtues in our culture. Now, our culture is, the Western culture is, for the time being at least, turning away from its Christian roots. So here's the question. Is, is individual liberalism and uh, freedom like a tree or a rocket? I'll explain my metaphor. <laughs> if, if, if uh, in Australia, Salvatore, there's a thing called ring barking a tree, it's where you cut around the edge of a tree, mm-hmm. remove the bark, and what it means is the tree slowly dies because the nutrients in the earth can't get to the top. It's a way okay. of removing trees. Um, now, is that the truth? If, if we lose our Christian roots, will Western culture ultimately be, become lost, be, lose its vitality and turn back to some form of despotism, arbitrariness? And there's certainly dangers that we see that already, actually. Mm-hmm. Or is it like a rocket where you have two-stage rocket where one goes off and then it gets off and the second stage flies up in the ground? Now, is that Western culture that we can, that it somehow other the Christian, the found Christian boost can somehow be discarded and go in its own life? Or will it, or would it be like the tree? Now, I can't answer that. Um, because I'm not going to live long enough to see it. And it's, um, I'm hoping it's, well, I don't know what it is. I'm hoping, in fact, we could re- reconnect with our Christian cultural roots because I do believe it's played a significant role. On the other hand, to your, to your caller, I will not deny the fact that the Christian church has also, in many cases, played a, a despotic role mm. in, in the, the first liberals were reacting against, like John right. Locke and others, against um, doctrines of, um, divine right of kings, um, an established church that meant only only us Anglicans could be there. What we call the good old days, you you, you all call <laughs> the uh, despotism of Anglicanism, um, and so it. But it was still the Christian culture which created the energy to overturn its own its own um, despotism, which it had gained from not only itself, but it was taken it was taken for granted everywhere in the world that right. unless you have the, the role of the monarch is to look after people's religious health, and therefore he's allowed to say what's right religiously. We regard that as crazy today, but that, that was still thought 300 years ago. Mm. You mentioned John Howard a few moments ago. Now yeah. I think we should tell people about your new podcast, which is available both on YouTube and on podcast providers like SoundCloud. Uh, I don't want to get the name wrong. Can you tell us about the new podcast? Yes, you and I are competing. This is only listening, not seeing. This has got an advantage. It's called um, Liberalism in Question. And your first and guest was? Well, John Howard. John Howard. <laughs> and I asked, him, I asked him about his famous broad church analogy. The, the purpose, um, Salvador, is, is to genuinely ask questions about liberalism. Is it, as good as, is it good for human flourishing? What are its weaknesses? What are its threats? And so we're having a range of guests. Um, this is my first trial um, from Sam Grant to talk, talk, talk Stan Grant talking about um, can indigenous rights be compatible with a liberal society? Um, I've, I've had to even dig it lower to get uh, an American sociology professor to give me a, a very stimulating, that's you, my friend. Uh, um, it's a wide range of things, and it, it can be unrolled coming through the, uh, through the silly season, appropriate, I feel, for my podcast um, here at the CIS. And it's, worth, it's only half an hour, and some of them are really interesting. And They're then there's mine. Some are really uh, no, 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 yours is very impressive. Anthony wants to uh, ask us about BC and AD. Now, of course, uh, BC means before Christ, AD, Anno Domini, Year of Our Lord. Uh, can you tell us about the history of that first? I assume you know about the Venerable Bede, and you can give us some of the background on that. Well, um, 
it wasn't until the Christians dominated the culture that they decided to call the time from what they regarded, and I agree with them, right. the most momentous event in the history of the world, namely the birth of Jesus Christ and his life. Um, the trouble is they got the date wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as far as we can tell, if, if in, in, in the gospel story, Jesus is born in the reign of Herod the Great, mm-hmm. um, a rather unpleasant character, not unlike people you see today in various countries, actually, an autocrat, a bombast, a, a violent, and a bit of a narcissist. Um, but he died in 4 BC, which means Jesus Christ was born before Christ. <laughs> the dates are actually wrong. So actually, the truth of the matter is, this is not 2020. This is actually something like 2024. So we can forget that year. It's really, but once set, of course, once the mistake was made, um, it, it, couldn't, it couldn't really be undone. So we have the irony of uh, the calendar being slightly out. Well, ac- <laughs> academics, so Anthony raises the fact that academics and many journalists like to change that to BCE and CE, yeah. before current era and current yeah. era. Isn't that a bit hypocritical? Well, I mean, if... Well, no, well, well, it's, well it, they're caught on the lemma, right? For a Christian before Christ, that's making a statement that this is, the mes- right. Christ is a... Greek word that means the anointed king and uh, or, or the Messiah. So if I'm saying before Christ, it's not it, Christ wasn't Jesus' surname, wasn't Jesus whose surname was Christ. In fact, they had no surnames in those days. Um, it's it's a statement. It's a claim. A claim about who he is. A very significant claim. If you don't think that's true and you still want to, ha- you're still stuck with the date. You can't do what um, start you know like the French Revolution. Start a new calendar or Pol Pot a new calendar. They they always end in disasters. Then one way out of it is to just use the word common era. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way of keeping the BC and the, keep the, almost the same letters in a way that's kind of neutral. And I'm, you know, if, it's a freak. I mean, I, I respect the freedom to do that. I, I, I don't want people to be forced to be Christian just by the conventions of our world. I want to be Christian for another reason. So I, I'm, I'm not troubled by that as long as people aren't too upset, up to, aren't too worried but, about it. But isn't there something faintly ridiculous about it. That is, people who want to keep traditional forms, but somehow strip them of linguistic meaning. I mean, we all know why the year is 2020, and and it has nothing to do with a common era that the world got together and all agreed that we would have this era. Uh, (coughs) So why change the word? Because they're stuck. I I can't. Look, to to be fair, we Christians have been busy appropriating traditions all over the place as well, as we pointed out, right? A lot of our Christmas traditions we stole, not didn't steal, we appropriated <laughs> from right. uh, pagans in the north of Europe and so forth and for our good purposes. Um, I'm not going to come out hard on people. These are revolving matters. You can't change the date. We're, stu- we're stuck. Whether you think the Christian faith, the crime of Christ was the best thing ever or the worst thing in the world, you're stuck to recognise that event by the date. And if people want to somehow hide that fact, well, right. Uh, it's 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 convention in academics, and as you know, being one yourself, academics are far are very sensitive creatures to all sorts <laughs> of things that ordinary people haven't the slightest problem about. So, as we wrap up this uh, this final conversation of the year, for me at least, I, I am curious about this very kind of deep intellectual issue of uh, the organic society on the one hand, one that where. You know, Christmas is just part of our society. Jesus is part of our society, whether you're a Christian or not. Yeah. Um, it's part of the world we live in. 
versus the much more artificial, revolutionary, uh, you know, militantly secular approach that says all you know the year zero approach we should strip out all of these things whether it's changing the date or saying happy season without making any reference not only to christmas or even to holy days but simply well it's a season and we're going to pretend that we're embracing the season whatever that means i mean what do you think of this tension between traditional organic society on the one hand and a more militantly secular society on the other i'm i'm uh, i answer two parts the extreme first um the the we christians believe that the coming of jesus is the great news for the world and ultimately will be will be for the god blessing the world and and, and we pray that every day your kingdom come on earth as in heaven but the ones to be scared of are those who want to make the world perfect now. They, mm. they, are, they, 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 are, they are the, they are the most terrible people. For, and those who say we're going to perfect human beings, um, that leads to gulags and violence and slaughter. And almost always those societies that want to set the calendar afresh, this is year naught, Pol Pot, the, the terror of the French Revolution. I don't know what the Russians did in the Soviets, but the, they are in a sense trying to play God, if I may say so. And that's a disaster. So, but that's the extreme view. The more moderate secularists, who, who, they're kind of caught because they want to deny something they're standing on. Mm. <laughs> Western culture, as I said, has, for better or worse, deep Christian roots. Not only Christian roots; they're also classical roots. Christmas season does have, whether you like it or not, based with the fact that you know, our ancestors, and our fathers, and our culture highly esteemed this this day, and still does to many of us, and. You, you, trying to deny that is crazy talk. Even if you sort of close your eyes and, and say, I'm not going to mention the word, there's something faintly ridiculous in my view, thinking you've got to deny it to be to be, have the freedom not to be a Christian. You can, mm. I don't mind you not being a, I do mind not being a Christian, but you're free in this culture to not be a Christian. There's no need to feel you've got to somehow expurge, expurgate any hint of it. That that strikes me as, at worst, perfectionist, silly, and, and sorry, best that, but worse, slightly dangerous, slightly... Um, interfering with the natural order. I, I mean, I don't mean natural in the sense of Christmas as natural. I mean the, the ongoing freedom of others. Right. So, I, and I suspect, I suspect the militant, the militant Puritans on the left and the militant Puritans on the right, where we started, both lose out. Christmas has a funny way of popping up again, <laughs> as it will. It, it's there's something. It it, it it both the religious background is here to stay. Christians are not going to go away, even though it may come and go. And I think the human need for, for a celebration like a Christmas, a time when we do stop the normal, celebrate relationships, even be nice to our workmates, you know, that whole that whole thing, that special day. I think there's a need in our society. You, you as a sociologist may be able to explain more than I the role of these festivals. But every society has to have something like this, I think, to be a healthy society. Rob Forsyth, thank you for joining us today, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thanks, Alberto. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to all of you listening, to our producer, Emily Holmes, our executive producer, Max Hawk-Weaver. Merry Christmas, Tom Switzer, director of the Center for Independent Studies. Next week, we will be on hiatus, but there will be an On Liberty special being hosted by Monica Wilkie, who will interview the philosopher and YouTuber Gad Sad. She will be very happy, however, 
if you join her. Merry Christmas to everyone and have a happy new year.